J.M. in the A.M. Thursday. She is Jew in the city. Allison Josephs, a great guest of ours and a member of the Nahum Siegel Network. Her show, Jew in the City Speaks, continues to uh, play to international acclaim and get more and more attention, and we thank her for that. And we also thank her for doing a great show, and we'll discuss what's going on later on today uh, with her. But uh, today is uh, designated as a a day to speak about Project Macomb, something that she began, an initiative that uh, that developed out of Jew in the City. And everyone out there, open up your minds and your hearts, and let's explore what Project Macomb is all about. Allison Josephs, Jew in the City, welcome back. Thank to you. JM in the AM. How are you? I'm doing well. Baruch Hashem. And you do have a great show today, and we'll get to that. And uh, I continue to applaud you for everything you're doing. I, I wish I was as as mellow a presenter as you are. Do you ever listen back to some of the shows you do? Oh, yeah. You know, I don't... I'm just sort of talking, and ta- I like to talk to people, and I like to talk to interesting people. Because so. there are times in person when you come across as fire and brimstone. Oh, fire only to my husband. No, um. <laughs> <laughs> there are times when you seem to be, you know, where you give a real, the passionate presentation. But in, th- in this forum, you are able to just, you know, remain yeah. mellow and conduct a nice, calm conversation. I think because I'm trying to, you know, showcase the guests and and hear what they're about, and so that's kind of discussion my husband and I have had. Am I supposed to talk more or talk less? But I feel like people hear from me pretty often. I mean, that's mostly what they hear from on social media. <laughs> so this is sort of a chance for me to kind of ask the questions of these different people, of all stars, of different experts, um, to hear their stories. So. Well, I think you have a great formula. So there you go. Thank you. Um, it, it, you know, there's somebody on Facebook who uh, I, I don't know which of the friends it is that that does this on a regular basis, but almost every day uh, posts an article or a story and um, and mentions in their post how there's not a day that goes by without bad news, so to speak, or without disgraceful news to the Jewish community. And you are somebody, and we've discussed this a million times. You're somebody who's out there as a representative of the observant Jewish world, trying to explain to people what we're all about, break down a lot of barriers and stereotypes, and at the same time help those that want to, who they themselves want to become closer to traditional Judaism. So I know how I react, you know, with some anger and anxiety when I see these articles. How do you react, and do you anticipate every time you see one that you're going to have to defend it or discuss it somewhere? So I think... um at the beginning, I think what most people do, the reaction is the cringe. They're sort of like you see it and you just that automatic, like, you know, sort of, um, constrict with the, oh, you know, mm-hmm. another Chal Hashem. What we're trying to do now is anticipate the Chal Hashem, really. That's our work kind of from the beginning was let's try to break down stereotypes. Let's try to show that we're not all the bad news. What we've seen in the last maybe couple of years is that there are certain things that kind of keep on happening that maybe need actually changing in the community. Now, maybe for some people that's an uncomfortable thing to say, do we need to look at ourselves and figure out? That's how some of the work, like with the halachic prenup, I think right. the last time I was here, we keep seeing these Aguna stories again and again. It's because maybe we need to do something within our community, listen to some of these Rabbanim that are saying, you know, do some preventative measures. So A lot of backlash from that? or um, No, or actually, okay. you know, we, we got a lot of positive feedback, actually. Good. I mean, maybe I was just not in the right places for the backlash, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think what we're trying to do by, by getting you know more Haredi Rabbanim um, on board or at least publicizing their support of it the idea was to show I think sort of the lowest hanging fruit in the Haredi community the people that are you know sort of most open and you know kind of more in the centrist realm that even if culturally it's not what they're used to right. um, Rabbanim that they trust believe this is a good thing and that 
we can keep on cringing and we can keep sort of like bad. my community may not be ready for it, but it's a great idea, that type of thing. Exactly. It's right. just at least to open it. I mean, what I, you know, because I, you know, saw that it was in the headlines more and more. Um, and besides the fact that these women obviously need help, I mean, I could. There's a million problems that need help, so I have to sort of limit it to like only 17 things that we're right. trying to fix. So once it reaches the headlines, um, it became a thing where when I go on speaking engagements, the people that bring me out to speak a lot of times are more in the Haredi community. So as we're driving, you know, out to dinner, I'm like, by the way, have you heard of the halachic prenup? And we have a little talk about this. And so that's just sort of like a grassroots way of spreading the word, finding out who their rabbanim are, reaching out to those rabbanim, having a conversation with them about it, and sort of figuring out. Maybe we can prevent some of these bad headlines. Also help people. That's a huge part. Right. People are suffering, but yeah. No question about it. Uh, Allison Joseph's here, Jew in the City. Um, before we talk about Project Macomb, and it is an amazing initiative, the, and, and maybe we may have discussed this before, I'm not sure. Um, when you go ahead and interview or feature or laud, as we do, those who are, you know, in, in out of the box field, so to speak, for the, for the, our regular Jewish community. Yet they're there declaring that Shabbos is more important to them than anything else. I mean, Dimitri Salida is a perfect example here where, you know, where the guy takes on the entire boxing and entertainment world and says, you know, Shabbos is more important than all this stuff, than the most important industry in the United States. And he gets lauded by me and we treat him as a Jewish hero here. And we've discussed this in the past, but you are now, uh, encountering so many people who are moving closer to traditional Judaism, who call themselves Orthodox, who, you know, are doing a whole, and I am sure a whole variety of things that would indicate that they have a real interest in the Orthodox Jewish community. Yet to many people out there, they might say to you or might say to themselves, well, that person's not really Orthodox. Like they're, they're not doing what we do or they don't understand how important what we do is to be Orthodox. I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, there are many people who, you know, you ask what's orthodoxy. And many people, whether this is right or wrong, will say, you know what? Shabbos is the demarcation. Shabbos is the common ground, the common denominator. If someone's anywhere on the scale from right to left where they declare that, you know, for 25 hours I've got to be, you know, out of things, then they're, but, but if they're not at that stage yet, I don't know if we can call them orthodox. You must go through this all the time with this, with people who claim to be or want to be regarded as orthodox and legitimately, you know, should be considered that, but to some, hey, I don't know if they're really, you know, doing close to what we're doing. Look, I, I think um, for our Orthodox Jewish All-Stars, for instance, we're in the middle, middle of deliberating now for our 2015 list. Um, we, our basic thing is Shabbos, Kosher, Mikvah. This, the, I, I would say those three things are sort of the, the entry point, you know, an Orthodox shul, right. Orthodox education, Shabbos, Kosher, Mikvah. Um, and, yeah, some out-of-the-box things. We're not choosing a career uh, or going into an industry where they would be required to, you know, compromise on another area of halacha um, if they're not as, you know, I don't know, strong, or if that's something they focus on as much, um, but the career doesn't make them do that, then um, we're, you know, they're still uh, a contender in our minds. Basically, you know, we, we want to showcase these people to show um, both children who are in the from community and who want to have big dreams that there are bigger possibilities out there than they might have imagined they might have seen in their own world that for some kids they might see the road ahead either you know follow all the rules that mom and dad gave me or you know go after my dreams and leave everything behind so we want to show them that maybe there's a road in between and then we want to show people that are already in the world that you can add more observance into your life and so in terms of what people care say i don't know i don't really care so much i mean maybe that's (laughs) 
Yeah, I understand you don't care, but like, at what someone declares himself declares themselves an Orthodox Jew, right? Yeah. So let, let's you know give an absurd example where they're declaring themselves an Orthodox Jew, but they're you know. Uh, publicly, you know, have no observance of Shabbos and oh. holidays, etc. So, I mean, so that would be an easy one, obviously. Right. You know? No, any, anyone that we have called Orthodox has told us that they're Shomer Shabbos and kosher and that sort of a thing, meaning like we're, we're vetting people before we name them. Yeah, by the way, I'm not bringing this up to yeah, criticize yeah, 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 you. Yeah, yeah, I hope yeah. you understand. No, no, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. I, I think, I, look, I'll give you another perfect example. Yeah. Dudu Fisher is once in that chair that you're right. sitting in, right? And he's, again, one of the people here that, as far as I'm concerned, is a Jewish hero. Because yeah. he declares to the whole world of Broadway, etc., Shabbos is more important. So, um, so somebody says, uh, you know, some someone, a listener, in reaction to how he describes something, not necessarily a Shabbos thing, but something in his way of life, and it, you know, calls up and says, "Yeah, hey, you know, come on, he's not. He, he says he's Orthodox. He's not really Orthodox." Now, we know he is, in fact, a Shomer Shabbos Orthodox Jew. But right. there are people out there. To whom, you know, it's different standards and, you know, who, who might scoff at the fact that, you know, someone declares themselves Orthodox. Is this a big deal or not? Uh, look, I, I think, um, I think the person doing the judging might have some stuff to work on themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think that, um, we have to have bigger minds and we, we don't know what's going on in people's heads and we don't know what's going on privately for anyone, even for someone that quote unquote dresses the part or more, you know, seems to fit into the box. You don't know what's going on, you know, uh, behind closed doors. So I don't know. I think a person that calls themselves orthodox that, you know, in public appears to have, uh, you know, those basic, uh, observances that we say are the definition. Right. I think we believe them. At least I do. I believe people unless they've proven themselves to be untrustworthy. So. Uh, Jay Glazer from the NFL on Fox was on this show and he says that, you know, after he finishes everything, cause Friday is such a big thing, gotta catch up on all the injuries in the NFL and do all this pregame prep, et cetera, et cetera, for Sunday's show. But once he finally collapses or, you know, the day is over at midnight, goes back to his room and makes kiddish. You I know, mean, he says this mm. on the air, you know, wow. sometimes he'll invite other people. Oh, so I think that's the most unbelievable thing in the world. He is not. Orthodox sure. to the, you know, to the level that we might be or Shomer Shabbos to the, you know, to even close to what we, you know, normally associate Shomer Shabbos people with. But look what he's doing in that environment of the NFL and Fox. He's telling guys out there, you know, big stars, you know, I got to go back to my room. I want to, you know, do a little Shabbos praying and a little uh, kiddish. You know? I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think that every mitzvah counts. And I think we I think we as a community have to be, le- the people that are judging have to be far less judgmental. And that's one of the stereotypes or one of the negative feelings that I would say the, the non-Orthodox community perceives or connects with the Orthodox community, that you're, you know, watching everything I do, judging, and, you know, maybe we have to, you know, focus, as Rav Yisrael Slanter said, that my spirituality is, is your physicality, and then just leave it at that and, and sort of uh, be proud of, of every, uh, you know, Jewish commitment that's out there. And, and lead and inspire by being an inspiring person, not by knocking someone down. I think it's far more effective to speak about why observance and why Torah study and why those things build me up as opposed to telling someone else, you know, you must change or do this differently. Let me focus on myself and I'll share what, you know, makes my life meaningful to the world and whoever that is appealing to can do something with it and if it's not appealing then they can choose not to we have bechira we have free will so people should you know believe that others can exercise it and less judginess uh, judginess i like that uh Allison joseph is here jew in the city on the subject 
of being more tolerant and being more understanding. There are people uh, from the Hasidic community, from the mainstream yeshiva community, from the mainstream Orthodox community, call it whatever you want, or maybe they are in fact three different categories, uh, who you know who who are not exactly uh, observing. Uh, the way their parents might be, uh, who might be different than what their siblings are doing, who might be what we call, you know, heading off the derech or already off the derech. I don't know what term you want to use, and I'm trying not to be, you know, judgmental, so. <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> Thank you. So you've decided that in order to help some of those people out there who are going through difficult struggles and who sometimes are dealing with very intolerant parents, siblings, grandparents, friends, community members, etc., uh, that they need a little bit of a of, a, of an assistance, a little boost, uh, a little hand-holding. Tell us what Project Macomb is all about. So basically, um, I wasn't looking to start another organization because, honestly, I'm just trying to run the current organization or grow the current organization. Um, it was about two years ago, a little over two years ago, I was speaking in Muncie. This couple comes up to me at the end of my talk, and they told me they were raised ultra-Hasidish, which at the point I didn't actually know what that meant. I, I'm more familiar with the modern Orthodox world the nuances within the right wing, left wing. I heard centrist. I heard like three quarters to the right. Um, but I, I didn't realize at the time that really every community, Chabad, Yeshivish, Hasidish, there's all different flavors and, and nuances within it because we must keep dividing ourselves into more and more groups. Anyway, they said it was too much for us. And what does that mean? It meant that starting at 11 years old, the boys are not playing ball. It means that starting at 13 years old, they're done with secular studies. I mean, this is the most right wing parts of the Hasidish world. Right. Um, he said, we still want to be from, we don't know who to follow. And he's, I was so struck by this. I said, I didn't know that was a thing that, you know, people in this world are not happy there or some of them and they want to make a change and don't know how to do it. So I said, oh, okay, so you'll come for Shabbos. I'll introduce you to my rabbi and my friends. Anyway, I got interrupted in the middle of this conversation. I looked back and they were gone and I thought, oh shoot, I lost the lost people. What, what do I do now? So on the way home from the talk, I'm calling different leaders of different Jewish organizations. Can we start something? Can we do something? And everyone's like, no, like A, that's super controversial. It's going to offend people. B, who was ready to fund something else. Um, and so I just sort of put it aside, kind of like you you know, put in the back of your mind, there's like starving kids in Africa, you don't want to think about it, you know it's a problem, but how am I going to deal with it? And every so often over like the next year, I would think about it and feel guilty and forget about it. And then a little over a year ago, I read a blog post that pushed me over the edge, and I said the time to do something is now. I read about a woman named Freda Wiesel, who for three years after she left Curious Yoel, she was in the most right-wing part of Curious Yoel, um, which is saying something, she tried to acclimate into mainstream Muncie. No kid, no school wanted her kid in their yeshiva. They said, we don't want an ex-Hasidish, Yiddish-speaking kid on his way down. Uh, no one had them for Shabbos. She eventually started paying a neighbor to play with her son on Shabbos. Mm. And after three years of being discarded and being not wanted, she said, enough with this. And now she's one of the most prominent members of the, the footsteps community, the formerly observing community. I read this story and I said, this is our problem. This is not, people, you know, like to say, you know, sort of, they want a war against this footsteps. You know, there, this is an organization that helps people, helps people get out of the Haredi world. And they can choose what they want to do afterwards. Um, and of course, there's all different opinions. Some people say they're trying to make them leave and other people say they're letting them choose. And uh, I'm not going to comment on that. I, I, again, I trust people when they tell me what they're doing. They've told me that they're there just to help get pe- people out and then, you know, they can choose where they want to go. But, um, People feel like there's a war, but if we're the ones that were not making her comfortable. We're the ones that were not making her feel like there was a place for her to exist. So after I read this blog post, I said, I don't know what it is I'm proposing. I'm not sure what's going to happen if I propose this, but 
it's time to share this information with the Jew in the City fan base. So I said, this is the couple that I met and I lost. They needed us. This is a woman that tried to make this change. We didn't let her in. Why are we doing this? Is anyone out there in, you know, in uh, the Internet world want to help people who want help to make this transition? And 200 people wrote in all around the world. Shabbos placement, getting someone else's kid in their school, friendship, mentoring, and so two women actually stepped forward, um, Mindy Schopper and Gabriella Lerner, to say we would like to lead this effort. I said, thank God, because I have no time to do anything <laughs> new. Um, and we came up with the name Project Makom in that we'll help you find your place, Makom. Um, whenever you figure out where you want to be, we will make room for you, Makom. And and Hashem's name, HaMakom, that, you know, this is the, the term that we use when a person is in mourning, that there's a, something that they're kind of leaving behind. There's a life that they're leaving behind and forging something new. Um, it's Something that really hasn't been done before, again, because it feels a little bit controversial, or right. is it offensive? Well, even this conversation, I guarantee you, so, <laughs> there will be people contacting me today. You know, you went ahead and condemned, you know, this community. That, we're not condemning anybody. God forbid. That, I know, have... Every Hasidic community, all of our wonderful communities, right wing, left wing, they're all wonderful, but... As you just indicated, there are people who either feel left out or needed a little bit of a different direction. Well, the other thing I'd like to say is that there are, you will see Jews on the more modern side of things moving to the right. I know right. many people that have, you know, transitioned to more yeshivish over time, or I even know people. And even Hasidic. Even, even Hasidic, right. I know people like that. Um, the question, now the question is, sh- is there an organization that should help someone, you know, become more insular or, you know, adapt those minhagim? Like, uh, we're not the right people because I don't know how to be Hasidic like that. I'm saying if there's such a need, um, then, you know, so by also, so much as explore it. Um, the reason that we started this is because I saw people, the choice was either leaving observance completely um, or... Really, that was it. It was leaving, right. really, or just feeling lost and alone, right. and so and so. That's why we really stepped in. Not and the interesting thing is that when you try to do something kind of controversial, you have you know um, haters and you know negative feedback on both sides. So on one side, we are being accused of like kiruv and trying to reel back you know people that want to leave, you know, reel them back in. Right. Um, or on the other side, we're being accused of trying to poach people right. into a watered down Judaism. And really, um, we, we don't have an agenda. We're what. I would say is um, if a person is on their way out, I would say take the time to explore what's there. And ultimately, I believe you should use your Bechira and figure out where you want to be. But at least educate yourself to know. I'm sorry. Yeah, to, to know what's what's what. Allison Josephs is here, Jew in the City. What was We're talking about Project Macomb. What was the first Project Macomb Shabbaton like? So um, we were just in the five towns uh, a week and a half ago. It was incredible. We, you know, you, you put it out there. And Who'd you invite? Like, how, how did people even find out that this existed? Social media. The interesting thing is that you think that the people that, you know, n- would need to be reached and the people that... Right, couldn't be. Right. Couldn't be. Right. Uh, so we were actually on a Pesach program in Fort Lauderdale, and there were a couple families from Monroe there, and one of the women passed by me and whispered in my ear, I follow you on Facebook, but under a fake name. And I was like... <laughs> Like, really? <laughs> and then another one there said, mentioned the Ice Bucket Challenge. And I said, how do you know about hashtag Ice Bucket Challenge? Um, and she said, oh, we're all online. We're all online, but just quietly. So the thing is that I, I, it sounds like from people on the inside that there's a lot of people that are already online. And once they're there, they're checking out you know, all different things. And so if they're looking for a way to still hold on to Shabbos and, and you know, where I, I don't think what we're offering is a compromised observance. You know, I, 
I mean, this is this is the meaning of my life. Yeah. I, I changed my life around. I dragged my whole, to this. my whole family along with me. I, I spend my my day and night because I dream about it also, um, inspiring people. <laughs> and like closest to Hashem, I actually have like conversations with fake people about. It's actually wake up in the morning. I'm like, okay, like get get another hobby, Allison. You're kind of obsessed. But meaning like this is this is my life and my passion. Um, but at the same time, people need to figure out what fits for them and what works for them. And so we want to be there as an option once someone's looking to get out. We want to know. We want them to know that we're here for them. Right. Unfair question because this is not how we judge success. But I'm just curious, how many people were at this Shabbaton? So we had a wait list, actually. Yeah, I know. That's the crazy thing. So the, we first put the, the thing out there, the registration, and like two people are signing up and four. And like, you know, it's, it's those voices of self-doubt. This is crazy. You're, you know, risking like getting put in for nothing else. <laughs> um, and then... Um, sometimes yeah, but, but, sometimes but, that's beneficial, but right. it's a, a, know, a topic that, for another day. And um, yeah, and then so then more sign-ups and then we like closed the registration and suddenly we were at capacity of, of you know, home hospitality. So I would say about 60 um, participants we were able to fit into the... What was it like when they met each other? People, it, it was life-changing. Our People described to us that they finally found family, that they finally felt a place to belong. One gentleman had expressed during one of our classes that um, he had, was, a, th- there, a lot of these are thinking people that just were not getting answers where they were. And he was kept asking his Rav questions, and eventually his Rav said, your questions ruin my Shabbos, please stop. So he felt so alone and alienated after that. And then he came to this group, and he saw that we were open to questions, and it was okay to have an answer to every difficult question, and we could be there, you know, with some of that tension, some of those difficulties. And he said, I finally found you. I'm good to, for today, but what do I do tomorrow? Mm. And so um, they... We, we, the Oneg, we had a transition panel of people telling their stories of how they went from, you know, some part of the Hasidic world to something, you know, more centrist. Um, people didn't leave. I didn't get to go to bed till three o'clock in the morning. I'm, I'm not young anymore. I want to go to sleep sooner than that. <laughs> it was therapeutic uh, for yeah, them. Yeah, no, they, they did not. We were kind of like, woo, we couldn't flicker the lights because it was Shabbos. We were like, you, like, <laughs> time to, you know, get to bed now. Um, they made a Malava Malka, Motse Shabbos, at a nearby restaurant because they simply did not want to leave each other. Our Facebook group now has about 200 people. We have not done any advertising, really. It's just word of mouth is spreading. And so, again, what we're finding is we're finding parts of the people that have left the community already. That um, and parts of the you know footsteps community people told us if this had been here when I was on my way out, right. perhaps I'd still be observing today. Did any of the participants have their own families? Did you have couples or you know who already yeah, have their own? Had, yeah, we had we had families, we had singles, we had divorced people. They have we, their own kids. It must yeah. add to the confusion of that what the future is going to be like and what they want for their kids, et cetera, et cetera. So some brought the kids along, some left the kids at home. I mean, really, you know, people kept saying, what what type of a group is this going to be? We said, we have no idea, really. I mean, we were actually quite um, <laughs> shockingly surprised how normal everyone was because when you put things out to the Internet and you say, right. come, Internet, and join us, um, you don't know what you're going to get, but actually there were really, people came in as far as Baltimore, as far as Scranton. Yeah, people really drove in to be here. It was quite, it was quite remarkable. And some of the people on the transition panel, we had one woman who was raised in a very low educational school um, in a certain part in the Hasidic world. The girls, I believe, it sounds like, have better uh, secular education right. than the boys do. Um, but hers happened to be a very low school. She decided it wasn't for her. She never went out and did anything crazy. She just saw an ad one day from Malot College in Baltimore and said, hmm, maybe that's my ticket to something a little bit different. Went there. Worked her butt off, stayed up late Motzei Shabbos, teaching herself how to write and read better in math. Woke up early Sunday mornings to teach herself more. That's what she was using Google and the Internet for. She just graduated with a double master's in microbiology and immunology from Johns Hopkins. 
Unbelievable. So we talk about Jewish heroes. So this is someone, again, she never, you know, got into anything wild. She just said, this was not the right space for me. This is something that fits better. I'm going to go out and find my way. Unbelievable. Allison Josephs is here. How do people support Project Macomb? What are we doing to encourage people to get you guys really off the ground and going? Look, so um, like all good things, funding is always helpful. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, my joke is that I've gotten involved in all these different uh, you know, initiatives to avoid fundraising because, you know, I have to stay busy somehow. <laughs> they're, they're like, you know, 90% of your time is fundraising. And I'm like, not if I stay busy with, <laughs> with everything else. <laughs> exactly. Um, but our, we're building a new website. Um, right now, if you go to jewinthecity.com slash project dash right. uh you can find information about it. You can sign up as a mentor. We have... Uh, you know, a volunteer position where you can, you know, be there to learn secular studies with someone over the phone, help them with their English, help them get their GED, help them apply to college, help them with career advice, or and or Jewish studies, help learn halacha with them, you know, that sort of a thing. Help them with friendship, invite them for Shabbos. So the mentorship uh, opportunities uh, offer a wide range of opportunities. And then, God willing, we'll continue doing Shabbatones in various communities. Um, one thing that I mentioned to the Shabbaton is that when I was making my uh, way to observance. I had no idea about this whole like hashkafa thing. Like you know, the world that I came from, there was kind of like people didn't know so much, and then people knew even less. Like it was not that we divided ourselves up into all these different groups. Somehow, it's only an Orthodox thing. Thirty-one flavors of Orthodoxy. Right. And I remember the first summer that I studied in Israel, um, everybody was you know kind of like pulling me this way and that way. Are you modern? Are you Haredi? And I said, I don't know what I am. I just thought you know I'll uh, eat kosher food. I'll make a bracha first. I'll keep Shabbos every seventh day. And wherever I went. I saw that everyone had an agenda to make me like them. You go to someone modern, they'd say Haredi's crazy. You go to someone Haredi, they'd say modern's lazy. You go to someone Lubavitch, they'd say be Lubavitch. And everywhere I went, I thought like I can't trust you. You all want me to be you. And this summer that I thought was finally like me finding my place was a tremendously difficult. Basically, crying every day, so lost. At the end of the summer, I met this woman in Sfat uh, at a Shabbaton, and she was this very mystical Haredi Sfat woman, Balas Chuva. Her husband made Hamotzi, his eyes flickered in his head. Like, I mean, they were out there, people. <laughs> um, lovely, but a little out there. And instead of telling me, move to Sfat and marry a flickering eye guy, um, as it does a category, she <laughs> said there were 12 Shvatsim, there were 12 tribes, each had their own way, go find yours. And she was the first person that gave me permission to say, I can actually see what fits me the best and, uh, you know, and, and go with that. And then I ended up at a seminary, Midrash Rachel, part of a school called Dar Chinoam, where they offered us a, a chance to explore a range of different hashkafas, meet different teachers. And so that's really the idea that I've infused into Jew in the city when we present information on orthodoxy to not just show it's one size fits all, that there's different opinions, different communities. And then with Makom, in terms of people saying, well, this was too much and too intense, but in terms of where to go from here, we had a modern yeshivish guy. We had, you know, um, uh, Yoetza Halacha. We had a modern Hasidish rabbi, Rav uh, Wein, uh, Moshe Weinberger um, at Eish Kodesh. We really tried to show people that there's a lot of different places that you could end up once you leave where it didn't right. work for you. And in a lot of ways, you can keep what, you know, a lot of what you had, you know, and, and continue those traditions while, you know, supplementing your life to make it even more enriched and to feel even better about yourself and uh, and to move forward. Exactly. Uh, you don't have to give everything up, that's for sure. Uh, is this going to be one of the most difficult things about uh, Project Macomb, this perception, as you just outlined it, regarding uh, Israel, that, you know, you or others are, you know, trying to suck as many people from their community into the modern Orthodox world? 
I look, you know, doing a show like this and, and explaining, putting it in my words and our words of what it is, I hope will be helpful. I think when you do something controversial, you're going to always have people who, you know, um, don't trust what you say about yourself or claim you have a hidden agenda. I, we, we started it because there are people that told us that they were lost and they needed someone to, to be there for them and care for them. And so, um, if that bothers someone that, you know, we're putting together a resource of, you know, humans that care for other Jews and want to help them find a place to belong. So then that's, Someone else's problem, not mine. Well, really. I, you put that really well. <laughs> a good I, guilt trip. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, is is it ego? Like, obviously, you know, I, like parents, I see parents want their kids to end up as they are. Right. It's it's a normal, natural thing. Right. But I think, you know, in, they want to be validated. Yeah. Uh, but it's supposed to be that your kid's supposed to be Al P. Darko. That a kid's right. supposed to go according to his way, not yours. And look, the way that I. When I, when I first got involved in, in Jewish outreach, I think I was kind of this, like, you know, flaming ball chuva that was like, let's make the whole world religious that was sort of a very immature over time. And with my husband's help, I realized that it's not my job to, quote, unquote, make anyone religious. It's my job to put the information out there. It's my job to speak about what inspires me. It's my job to publicize all the good stuff, to deal with the challenging stuff, to try to fix the problems. That's my job. And then ultimately... It's everyone else's job to choose. Right. And so that's just, we're just trying to be one more place with information and with resources, with, you know, hand-holding for anyone that wants to be there. And then we'll let people choose. And if someone has a problem with that, they can have a problem. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard a listener sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmam.org. Allison Josephs is the... Jew in the City, just uh, search those words anywhere on the web, and you'll find her website, Project Macomb is a new initiative. Isn't it interesting, by the way, as you describe the desire for parents to have their own lives validated or, you know, put it in whatever psychological terms you want, uh, and they want their kids to follow in, in, you know, whatever they're doing. You really have had a unique background in that area, because you've had both experiences. You had an era that you described to us as pushback from your parents, and then uh, and then later on in life, you've had a... Uh, a, a period of time, thank God, where your parents are completely aboard everything that's going on. So it's it's interesting. You've had really both. I, I live both ways. Look, it's hard when you're going in a different direction. And I think that the journey of the Balchuva is similar in terms of this person that's searching for a new community because ultimately you might have to go only for yourself and not for um, the acceptance of your family and friends because some of these people, uh, I mean, we, we heard a very uh, sad story of a guy uh, from a, a rebish family who had gotten into very bad things and then with the help of a mentor um, found his way back to observance, not Hasidic, but to observance, right. strong, dominating Shabbos, learning, and he called his parents up uh, to say, can I come home for Pesach? And they said, no, no Pais, no Pesach, it, no, don't right. call us. And so um, it, it's it's hard, and, and he called up his mentor and he said, why did I bother doing any of this? Why did I bother, you know, finding my way back when they're still rejecting me? So um, it's... It's very hard to to live a life where you believe you're doing something that's you know is truthful and uh, you know feels right to you, even if you don't have the acceptance of everyone else. Although, what I there are a lot of parents that accept. There are a lot of parents yeah. that are willing to be there still. And what I hope maybe we can get into at some point with Project Makom is you know sort of helping the parents to see that their kids are doing great things. And even one of the people on our transition panel, the parents fought her, fought her, fought her. And they came and they saw her family a couple of years later, the children and the husband, and they saw that they were living a serious Torah life. It was a different flavor than what the parents had, but they saw that they were living a good life and their life was full of Hashem. Nice. And, they, and the mother said to the daughter, you were right and I was wrong. 
Yeah. I recall that the, there's somebody out there who told me a story that uh, when their son was going through these challenges uh, and deciding where he was or, or, or where he wanted to be, et cetera, et cetera. So every day, the father, even though he knew it would likely not be used, would put an alnatilosidium cup that he had done since the kid was a little kid by his bed. And this would go on, you know, for years and years. And and many, many years later, this young man, who's now an, you know, a wonderful standing member of the Orthodox community, said to me that that thing that his father did every day was so instrumental hmm. in, in getting him back and, you know, getting his life back on track that he knew there was always this connection. And by the way, I spoke with... Um, uh, somebody you know very well. I'm not going to name her at the moment, but uh, let's call her a very well-known uh, um, uh, footsteps person or whatever you want to call it. And I, I said to her, in your case, it's obvious that uh, you had zero parental support. If one of your parents would have at least been somewhat sympathetic to what you wanted to do, go to college, et cetera, et cetera, would you be orthodox? She said 100%. I may not be, you know, as quote-unquote as orthodox as they are, but I'd certainly still be Shomer Shabbos. So parents, not, not that we're the experts here, but and it just seems to be that the more you can stay connected with the kids who are going through really tough challenges, uh, that is the chance. That is the opportunity for things to improve down the road. Otherwise, things really can get really bad. And I think ultimately when a kid is uh, struggling, the first thing is that they need to know that the love is unconditional. Right. And that the relationship and, you know, you being my child that I'll never forsake, like how... Hashem does it for us. Right. That's the first thing that I think. I think once the kid feels that um, the love is only connected to, you know, how many times I daven, it's over. That's, you know, so that's got to be there. And for, for some of these people we're meeting, they are finding that the love is connected to not even just the halachos, but also the minhagim. And so we're offering, um, you know, support in terms of therapy. We had a social worker along at the event. Look, we are going into completely unknown territory here. We don't right. really exactly people are telling us how about tuition costs? How do you expect people here right. to be able to support? We don't have the answer to everything, but you know, just because you don't have the answer doesn't mean you shouldn't start to fix the problem. Hundred percent. Uh, is there uh, another Shabbaton on the calendar, or we don't oh, know yet? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, look, we're going to do smaller events over the summer. Um, if people join, if they want to be involved, it, we have a Project Malcolm group on Facebook where we're sort of updating that sort of stuff. You know, what I want to do after an event is over, just like take a nap. And one one of the people said was, "This should have been a three day yuntif." I mean, that, <laughs> that was how much they loved it. That we wish that this is over a three day. If you can sell someone on wanting a you know three day yuntif programming, you, you know you're doing something well. So yes, yeah, so we're going to do some smaller programming over the summer we we've got to get funding going for this to move forward um and the the very interesting thing is that when i started you in the city i thought that i was rebranding orthodoxy to the non-orthodox community what i've learned is that it's rebranding orthodoxy to parts of the orthodox community that were unhappy with the orthodoxy that they knew and they 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 were ready to reject it they were ready to throw it off altogether and they said wait Actually, this could be an appealing way for me to live. I I could do this instead. And so it's really mind-boggling that, you know, it could reach such different spectrums. But once you put it out there, again, you just sort of let it see who it inspires and let them use their Bechira. Uh, we are excited that uh, this season with Jew in the City uh, Speaks, Jew in the City Speaks Thursday at 10 o'clock is... uh, Rounding itself out with an amazing array of guests. Today, your guest is Debbie Fox. She is director of Maganiel Adim Child, Child Safety Institute. And the topic will be abuse in the Orthodox community. Yet another headline that is 
quite troublesome, obviously, but this is a topic that needs to be discussed. You'll do that with her at 10 o'clock this morning, and I'm sure people can anticipate a great conversation. It's interesting. She wrote a book, uh, Seminary Savvy, to help girls going off to seminary be safe. And oh, so she how does, timely that is. She does total safety because I don't think you can ever write a book specifically right. on this area. But, right. um, again, to, to watch out for, you know, sort of signs and signals of inappropriate relationships forming while you're so far from home. So it's not comfortable to talk about it. But if we want to be a Kiddush Hashem, we need to... We need to keep kids safe. And you need even, the tools. You need to you need to be able to face the tough challenges because that's really what's a kiddush Hashem to to protect you know innocent people and to fight for you know the right thing. And so you have sometimes have to get over the discomfort and do what needs to be done. Allison is Jew in the city. You can search her online, and of course, Project Macom is a new initiative. And anybody out there would like to fund it or get more information, or if you know people who would benefit from it, you can join the Facebook group or get information through the website. And today at 10 o'clock, you'll hear Jew in the City Speaks right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, I wish you a great summer and continued amazing uh, Hatzlacha with everything you're doing. You're doing incredible work out there. Thank you so much. Same to you. Appreciate that. Nine minutes after 8 o'clock, this is a, a Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM.